Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home.
I was told that they were all going to kill themselves. That's why we left the cult. They sent us a video. Whoever's watching, I just wanted to say the ascension is something that we've all been looking forward to. We couldn't be happier. I want to go back. One day, one night, we come straight back. Good to see you two. What the Dickens brings you all the way out here? Just thought we'd visit while you're uh, here. We're always here. I used to make a lot of your clothes. You remember that? They're all in like their 40s. They just look young. It's weird. I come back now. The video you sent. What video? Today is June 8th, 2021, and The Endless is available to stream for free on Hoopla. Hoopla. This is what happens when you build a schedule several months in advance. Titles disappear from some services, so it is free to stream on Hoopla. Check with your public library to see if they are connected to Hoopla. Otherwise, it is available to rent or purchase on various digital services. All right, so guys, The Endless was released into U.S. theaters on April 6, 2018. Well, it actually opened in one theater on April 6, 2018. <laughs> and during that opening weekend, it made $9,000. Okay. Oh, now, okay. if... A little theater that could. Yes, exactly. But if in 2018 you lived in Australia, you could have seen The Endless on March 22nd, and you would have had two theaters to choose from. That's too many. So they get to see it earlier, and you've got more choices. Go Australia. Yes. All right. So needless to say, this was a very small film. It stayed in U.S. theaters through June. It maxed out at 20 theaters and had a total U.S. box office of $270,000. So okay. I think they had a small budget, you know, making this thing. And so, I, you know, they had limited release. But this film had a slightly greater success internationally and brought in another $684,000. It was only released in the United Kingdom, the Ukraine, Australia, and Russia. Now, can hmm. you guess which country had a wider release for this film than the U.S.? Out of the United, out of those, out of the United Kingdom, the Ukraine, Australia, and Russia. They always call the Ukraine the other UK. Yes, yeah. that's that's exactly. I'm going to guess do. that it's Russia. Actually, I'm going to say Australia, based on nothing. Okay, and and, it, and it was Russia. It actually made six. What made six hundred thirty-one thousand dollars in Russia, and I think it was on somewhere around like it opened on six hundred thirty in six hundred thirty-nine theaters. No in one Russia. likes to see Americans tortured like Russians. Yeah, <laughs> Rush, all Russians think that all Americans are either cowboys or intercoms. There, there, there we go. So that's where they wrong. made that's where they made their money. But it then became available on physical media and digitally on June 26, 2018. If you start a movie with a quote from H.P. Lovecraft, you can anticipate some weirdness. So <laughs> yeah. is this yeah. is this film too weird? What do you mean? Too weird. If you're looking at me, the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that's the thing with this, this type of movie. It, 
Is it too hard to comprehend? This is I, I hmm. I'm glad both of you are here to talk because I know you guys like the whole mind bender aspects of films. Yeah. But with a, a small budget, it's it's the the writer directors were also the main two characters, so they were carrying a lot of stuff. Did they did they pull this off? Was this a successful mind bender, or did it just strive for weirdness for weirdness' sake? What, what do you guys so think? I'll, I, I think yes, it did accomplish the mind bender aspect of it. And one thing I want to say is it's not too weird it is going to be if you're not sort of along for the ride early on with the sort of mind bender or consideration of the alternate reality possibility then you are going to be kind of wondering what the heck is going on that's going to be a thing so for people who don't like that for people who don't like the sort of abstract thinking to understand the plot that this may be i don't want to say too weird because i don't think it is too weird but this is going to be one of those movies that you're going to have to go wait what and if you like the wait what then you're going to really like this movie and that's why i think um i don't think it's too weird i think it's great i think it's a very clever idea and well executed even for the small budget they had on it i would say yeah i would say that the best way to one of the ways to describe it nicer than too weird is it would be challenging for mainstream audiences but that should be a good thing one of my Agreed. favorite things uh J- jj and i were lucky enough to be able to watch it together and uh one of my favorite things that jj said was about halfway through i have no idea how this movie's going to end. That's a real treasure. We don't get that a lot in movies in America. And so I like that. It's not comforting, but I'm also, as a big uh, sci-fi or horror fan, I'm fine with being discomforted. (laughs) And so I'm up for that. I love a challenge and to be able to look at the screen and really wonder what is possibly going on, while also, especially for an indie movie, preparing myself there's a good chance they're not going to answer all the questions. Right. Right. And if they do, it will probably be um, unfulfilling. Uh, Steve, you already brought up H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. That's H.P. Lovecraft to a T. Yes. The whole point of his cosmic horror is that the door only opens a certain amount. And yes. then either it closes or the uh, narrator goes insane. Yeah. Oh, weird. <laughs> because it's just too that. much. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of insanity in H.P. Lovecraft because what you see, it just can't. It's Bird Box. It can't. You you are overloaded completely. You can't comprehend. So it. Yeah. I'm very comfortable with that. So so Tommy, you've said horror for this film, and that's I'm glad you watched it with JJ because I know horror is not a genre that he revels in. So right. JJ, do you consider this a horror movie? Well, we actually had that question while we were watching it too. We okay. Said, well, what kind of movie is this? And I don't think I felt like it was horror. As we were going through, but ultimately it leads to that direction. And they do so much of the, I I don't want to call them tricks because they're not, they're actually essential pieces of horror when you, you know, when you curate the music to, to give you the anxiety or the anticipatory feelings that go with foreboding, foreboding, this scary thing. Um, They do that stuff. So it's, 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 it's tempered like a horror film, but I didn't get that through most of the film because of, because of our, um, the uh, the audience point of view as we're coming in with, uh, with, with the brothers and stuff and how they're, they're thinking of things differently. So it, uh, but I think that ultimately it ends up being a horror movie that is about, um, the perception of cults. So okay. like that, the cult aspect of it is, is important too. you know, Steve, you and I have reviewed uh, faults before, yes. which was really into programming, mm. deprogramming and cults, which is a fantastic movie. And then also thinking about, um, uh, I haven't seen this movie and I don't plan to, but talking with Tommy about it, like Midsommar and, and the thing of like these communities, whether they're communes or cults, and then the, whatever supernatural aspects or beliefs are, 
feeding into that. The payoff with this film is is going to have a horror feeling to it. Um, but the setup, the approach is in the vein of all those kind of things, this commune cult belief sort of structure. Yeah, and just to keep things in the mix, I would like to also posit, though, that it's heaven for some, hell for others. I think that this whole movie is about control and about the benefit or detriment about control. There's equal ways that different characters in this, I, we're not spoiling it yet, but some characters are exactly where they want to be and some are in a complete hell vision, uh, which is outstanding. I mean, it's very exciting to see that. Okay. No, exactly. And JJ, you mentioned faults. That, yeah, that had to do with cults. Oh, and, faults. And, I watched faults because JJ and uh, yes. you told me to. Yes. Yeah, I loved it. So it's uh, cults Good. and deprogramming. And then uh, Ray and I did a trailer rewind on a film called The Lodge, where one of the main characters is a survivor. I love The Lodge. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm screaming. No, no, it's fine. It's a survivor <laughs> of a death cult, and it does get into that darker horror aspect of it. Sure. And this, this one, I feel like, is sort of in the middle between those, because The Lodge gets really sort of like violent and icky places. Uh, Faults is really psychological. This sort of is like in the middle of, of yeah. those, of those two, I, I, too. I feel like. Okay. All right. So I think we've sort of touched on what type of film this is. It's, it's, it's weird. It's not going to give you answers. It's, it's got some culty stuff with it. It, it treads into <laughs> horror territory, HP Lovecraft, the insanity type of things, uh, issues of control. So, Let's talk ratings on this. Where is it that oh, you... Oh, right. It's this show. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have plenty of time to keep this a secret. <laughs> nope. So we can give Tommy a chance to get his rating system to, sure. to, to, together. So I'm ready. Um, I'm already oh, he's, ready. He's ready. Okay. So, Tommy, because I know you don't do you know, letterboxed or flick chart or anything like that. So you've got your own rating system. So you, I'm Etsy all the way, baby. There you go. So, you, <laughs> you know, give our listeners a sense of how you rank rate or overall feel about this film. Yeah. I'm, uh, I would, I, the fact that I'm not on letterbox or flick chart makes no sense, except that it scares me. And so I just didn't do it. And now like too much time has gone by and I'm afraid that I'm going to be invited back to a huge, the film board re-ranking and then I'll wake up from it. I'll have a long white beard and I'll have grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> that I've never met, which is weird. Um, either way, I would just like to say, so while I can't compare it to other movies, this is just shooting from the hip. For me, this type of movie, I definitely had some problems with it, especially the end. But overall, I was so enthralled, was taking notes. Half the notes don't make any sense. I just really enjoyed it. I will give it right now. It might be a shade high, but I would give it four stars and a like. Okay. Uh, and I think there's a good chance that that might uh, sort of, uh, erosion down to like 3.5 or something sure. like that. But right now I'm fine with four. Yeah. Okay. And I'm at three. I mean, we've already talked about that horror is a tough genre for me. I was, I mean, Tommy can say, you know, I had to stop a lot, take breaks, talk through things. I was unsettled. There was a lot of talking. <laughs> I, I, I was unsettled through a lot of it. I was trying to kind of find the motivation of the characters so that I could get at least understand their motivation so that I wasn't so scared about the stuff that I didn't know. And, you know, that goes right to the hp lovecraft quote at the beginning right. of the film about the unknown but so mine is a three stars it's interesting it shows up in this really interesting place on flick chart for me um and it's great that tommy brought up the re-ranking because when i ranked it last night after we watched it it comes into this place that's in the bottom half right. but it's between movies that are like way better and do not belong in the bottom half okay. of the flick chart and so i went today i got home and i was like okay i'm gonna re-rank and then i started and i did like three movies and i'm like nope 
I'm not going to do this because <laughs> I did not have the patience. But so where it is, is it's, it's at 155 out of 256, which it says that it should be a two-star, but it's not a two-star movie. And it's be- mm. it's beneath Knives Out, which doesn't belong down there at all. Right. And right. it's above Syriana. These are both two fantastic movies that do not belong in the bottom, but for some reason at the time <laughs> they went down there. I think The Endless is going to be that kind of movie for me, too, that as it might settle down for Tommy, it might actually settle up for me as we keep talking oh, about Oh, fun. It. Okay. All right. I'll meet you in the middle. There we go. Well, for so I actually watched this a couple of years ago. And so I, I remembered bits and pieces of it. So I went back to my rating to see where it was. And I had initially rated it three and a half stars on the first watch. But after a second watch, and I will say uh, my second watch was influenced because I did watch the, it's not really a prequel but the film that justin and aaron did before called resolution and there are some connections that we can talk about that that gave me a different context for this and so it bumped it up to four stars because i really really enjoyed it on the on the second time Hmm. seeing it in the context of sort of this shared universe uh so i went back and i flick charted it and it ended up at 159 out of 736 and it ended up in a weird spot (laughs) just above tenant because oh. it's another mind bender twisty tale but for totally. me there's i i'm not a horror fan but there's something about like lovecraft type of weirdness that i really really enjoy so like the the first season of true mm. detective that whole king of yet in yellow and all that craziness i love that weird type of supernatural i'm not a big fan of like just you know sinister it's because conjuring. it's not gore and yeah. terror yes. it's more about psychological and things that are older than us yes yeah. the, than the, man the myth- and, okay, mythology type of stuff yeah so right. so i bumped it above yeah. tenet because of that sort of like unique mythology aspect of it and then it's just below his girl friday <laughs> i'm like okay, okay. also okay. known for its cosmic horror yes exactly <laughs> but just above but just above his girl friday is is old boy so, oh, okay. so it's it's in this weird mishmash. So, so place. Your, your list is madness. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> so it falls right into the the madness place. But I felt yeah. really solid with with four stars on this. Uh, the endless has a weighted average review on Letterboxd of three point three, based on thirty two thousand reviews. Sounds like right where we're at. And uh, over on IMDb, it has a rating of six point five, based on thirty six thousand votes yep. there. So it's it's in that you know three star range. I think depending on if it's your type of thing, because it is a, a unique space. I think within the it's a subset of horror weirdness within the larger horror genre. So I think that yeah. may be why it, it may be not necessarily for everybody so listeners if you think this kind of weird film is your thing and you don't want anything spoiled this is your chance to pause the podcast and go check out the endless on hoopla for free or any other streaming service you choose to rent or purchase it at the film has a linear story we have we have weird time things happen at the end but we could talk our way through this chronologically fairly easily because but i did want to Tommy brought up the whole topic of control, and I think that as an overarching theme throughout a lot of the characters and what goes on might be the best way to to deal with this. Because at the beginning, we were introduced to these these two brothers, Justin and Aaron, and there is a, a power dynamic between the two of them of Justin sort of exerting the control over his younger brother, Aaron. Um, so that th- we established that right from the get-go. We learned, you know, that they are 
They have escaped from some weird UFO death cult. They're trying to make a living uh, cleaning houses, uh, but clearly it's set up as Justin is the one who's got control of, you know, their livelihood. He's the one that makes decisions. He's the one that's got to kind of remind Aaron on the responsibility things. He keeps texting him about, we need a new car battery because Aaron can't seem to remember to turn the dome light off or whatever. And it, you know, presents Aaron as sort of the lost boy who doesn't really fit in to, to the, to the world. And when this video cassette shows up from the, uh, members of the cult that they had escaped from, um, Aaron wants to go back. He wants to just, you know, check it back out. And Justin, I think, feels that this is the opportunity for some final closure. We've been gone for 10 years. Let's go back and and really see. And maybe, you know, because Aaron only remembers happy memories. Yes. And it's blamed on him being too young. Yes. Right. Yes. By Justin. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's like if I, if I take him back, maybe he'll see it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. Life is tough no matter what. You know, we'll, we'll see. And we we get there. But along the way, we get we get our first hints of sort of weirdness with these guys because they stop at a little roadside memorial where their their mother died. And the first thing that we, we hint of weirdness is Justin looking down the road one direction and seeing birds sort of flying in a circle in one direction and then looking the other way and seeing the same thing. And then I don't know if you notice when he turns back to look the other they're, way, they're gone. They're gone. And the yeah. landscape has completely changed. Oh, I didn't it, notice the landscape. It, oh, I didn't notice the landscape. It, it was, I just noticed the birds. It was sort of open plains, but now there's mountains there. So it's oh. something weird is going on. And then Aaron asks about these weird sticky things sticking out of the ground. And Justin says, oh, it's some volcanic thing with erosion. Which right away, right. when he said that, I was like, it's clearly not that. <laughs> no, it's, it's something, not. but it's clearly not that. Yeah. That's not a very good, like conversation no. advancer because th th there's nothing about that that could be volcanic in nature and then they're everywhere but okay whatever let's move right on. exactly so then they get to the camp right and this is we're right. we're tracking along with like this feels like a nice little independent film about some brothers you know dealing with their past and then we get introduced to all the members of their the well wait though camp. it takes a turn though for foreboding is yes as they're entering arcadia oh, we yes. first meets Smiling Dave. Dave? Yes. Dan? First I'm going to say Smiling Dave. Dave. Yes. Smiling Dave, yep. Exactly. Which which right away, everyone goes, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really cool, though, that the that the character, the Justin, says, yeah, not a cult at all. Yeah. Right. That they realize they're putting something up. Yeah. Because yes. if you if someone was just like, oh, he seems nice, you don't, this movie really doesn't let the audience get too far ahead yeah. emotionally, which is very right. appreciative. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause Smiling Dave has like the white shirt on, the fanny pack and khakis and just is like culty uniform and just the sort of smile. And there's something like right. not, he's not, doesn't look like he's, he's all there. there. Yes, yeah. exactly. But everybody else we meet, we get to meet, you know, Hal, who is sort of seems to be the one that's the most responsible for everything that goes on at the, the camp, camp leader, the camp leader, uh, you know, Shane, who's, you know, and, and Tim and Lizzie. We get all these people who just seem like normal people living on a commune. They brew beer to make and they sell that off to make a living. It's how they sustain the camp, uh, you know. 
We've got uh, Anna, who is the one that was actually in the video that they received. She, you know, seamstress makes clothes. So it's just a, a self-sufficient commune, right? There's nothing culty just, at all about that. that. It's just yep. it's just that, right? So w- that's that's where we get to, right? And but we learn a little, you know. There's there's hints of weird things that are that are going on. We've got um, all kinds of conversations about. Uh, you know, Hal and Justin talking and, uh, you know, early on Hal, you know, says, you know, I don't recall anybody ever like committing suicide here. As a, as a matter of fact, you know, nothing here ever ends. Right. There's there's the things just keep going on and, I, you know, you can stay here and just live, live your happily, happy lives. And, and that's that's what we do here. And then that first night, uh, is it the first night or second night? They they go out uh, for some some camp games, right? They're gonna play the struggle, struggle, <laughs> which is like a, was, a weird rope. Such a fun name. It's a it's a, yeah. it's a rope. It's like tug of war, right? There's a big tug of war rope laying down on the ground, and and Hal goes uh, asks for for volunteers. Somebody's gonna go out there, and you you basically you pick up the rope and you you pull on the rope and see if you can win the struggle, right? Not weird until you see that the rope goes up into the sky, which just thinks, oh, that's just Dave on a ladder. That's that's smiling Dave on a ladder down there holding the rope. And I'm thinking, I don't I guess if the ladder's cemented into the ground, maybe Dave might be able to do that. Uh, But, you know, Aaron is able to to win the struggle on a second try because he uses his his skills. is he likes fishing, using a fisherman's knot to loop the rope around himself and hold and, and pull, and he wins the struggle. Um, Justin is is goaded into doing it. As soon as he picks up that rope, it like yanks him and burns through his hands, leaving some pretty nasty Ouch. wounds on his hands. So there's something. What's yep. going? And it, but as he walks back to the group, we see nope. There's Dave. There's smiling Dave in the back of the group. So clearly, smiling Dave was not at the other end of the rope. Right. Strange, creepy. Hmm. Control, I think. I think this is this is one of the first. There's so many. Hmm. We've already the the control dynamic, as you already said, between the older brother uh-huh. and the younger brother, turns out to be the shallow look at what the movie is really about and what it's trying to solve. Okay. Because at the very end, it's kind of like the very very end, which I don't want to skip ahead, but they are able to potentially escape. If you want to call it escape, I have thoughts about that too, because the power dynamic finally changes. Right. One that is in control literally gives up control and the other one, but we can talk about that in a second. Okay. For now, they are playing a game and they're playing a game in my thoughts and JJ and I, when I say I, JJ and I did talk about this a lot. We had some different stuff, but when I say I, I mean the Royal Foster and me. (laughs) (laughs) What? Um, uh, I believe that the they were sort of playing a game of sorts, the struggle with whatever entity. Yes. Are we we're like going for yeah. it? Oh right? yeah, yeah. Yep. There's, okay. there's something, there's something whatever, there. Yeah. Whatever the it is, the entity is that they're playing with, and it makes all the sense in the world that it would sort of toy with Hal, because Hal's sort of showing off. Here's how it goes. He calls on Aaron. Aaron is by far the most a viable person to come back into the fold. He's starry-eyed. And it makes all the sense in the world that this entity, this all-powerful, inconceivable, impossibly colored entity, would let Aaron win. Right. Right. Of course. Because you even hear he sort of, and how does he win? 
he ties himself to it. Right. He makes a self-imposed lasso. And then he's like, oh, you pulled me over. And that's what a an symbol. adult. What that's a an adult pretending that their child like was so strong because you're trying to convince the child, A, for us of their confidence, for it maybe stay. Yeah. Don't leave. And then it's already because Justin is such a um naysayer, so cynical. Right. Uh, one of the first things he does is we later you can learn that as everyone is learning how to do one big skill, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that one guy masters magic. Yes. We see, we know that he does the trip the trick correctly. And then Justin lies about it and says, No, he doesn't. And that smile the guy gives is because the guy's like 100% I did it. I know, I know what I did. Exactly. Yeah, I know I did it. And you're wrong. <laughs> and then like shows off with that incredible baseball trick. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that that's also like the entity slapping. For one, it's sort of like carrot and stick. For mm -hmm. one, you want to draw them in. For the other, it's like, stop playing so big. Right. Uh, you're not in control. It gave Justin, it gave Aaron control. It reminded Justin that he has no control. Yep. Well, and Justin is the one that, as we see in some conversations he has with Hal, Justin maybe wants control. And maybe that's why the, the that's one right. of the reasons he left because, you know, Hal asks Justin, like, you know, who's in, who's in charge here. And Justin's like, you are, you're, you're the leader. And Hal's like, I'm not the leader. I'm just the one that talks the most. Right. You know, right. that may be my weakness, but I, you know, he is not in control. He is not in charge. And he, and he alludes to the fact that one of the reasons Justin may have left 10 years ago was that he wanted to be the leader. He wanted answers to these questions so that he could control things and was unable, was not able to do that and therefore left because he could not see a way that left he could... and tried to destroy the camp yes. by calling it a cult. Right? Yes. Yes. By decrying its existence in the press. Exactly. And everything. Making making up things like castration, stuff that's that was thing. just never yes. true. That's yes. what I was going to say. It's not even just like branding it incorrectly, but then making up things that were illegal and terrible that were just straight up lies. Yes. Which I think is an interesting reveal when we get to that part. Yeah, that really is the breaking point because at, at that point when Aaron learns that Justin made all, you know, fabricated all these stories about castration and that there are UFO death cult and all of that. And then Justin's like, let's go. And Aaron's like, well, I'm staying. And Justin's like, well, you know, I'm going. And then Hal basically says, look, you, you need to leave. And that's where they split. And Justin goes off, you know, to try to start the car, the battery. And he, he ends up in the woods and that gets us into the whole second half of the story at that point. But I didn't, didn't know if there was anything else in that first half that we want to talk about in terms of control characters set up for anything before the the true weirdness starts in the the second half of the film well the hard part well, for me in all this is the idea that um if they are really and this is something that needs to be present for the plot to take place but the idea is if this group of how many of them? We'll say that the 13 of them that all um, that are all actually sort of worshiping this God or find the thing that this evil thing is doing is as sacred. If they truly believe that it is sacred, then why not evangelize it? Why not actually tell the people what's going to happen? And this is going to be if they truly believe that it's a good thing, in contrast to the other folks that we meet that are desperately trying to get out of their loops. Why wouldn't they say to Aaron, 
here's the beauty that you will experience. Instead, they're in this sort of cryptic thing of, you know, I can't tell you, you have to experience it. In other words, you have to be trapped before you can understand how beautiful this is. That's something that I have a, a bit of difficulty with in this of, you know, and it's, of course, necessary for the plot to unfold in the way that we do, especially with Justin and the way that Justin experiences everything. However, it seems inconsistent with the group of characters that actually, if if they actually do revere this thing it deity then why wouldn't they express it as such and that led me to this belief that i mean again we're jumping ahead here that potentially they're frustrated by it too and hal's obsession with his equation trying to figure it out leads me to believe that they just want company <laughs> in the personal <laughs> hell that they're living in as they go through this thing but again I, I think it's necessary for the plot to be uncovered but in all that stuff there's this whole sort of you, you talk about control there's this i'm giving away control you have to make up your own decision, but I'm not going to tell you what I know either. You have to make up your own decision about something that you know nothing about, and it could potentially ruin your life. That's something that I it, – it's a little bit dissonant in the story for me. I will always be at risk of movies like this because it hits me right in the love it. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where that is in my body. Right. That I will be – when I'm not willing to do it in other movies, I'm willing to maybe do a little bit more work. Yeah. Right. In this – there is, there's, I mean, there's a lot of um, comparison. You can draw a lot of comparison to religion, mm -hmm. even yeah. traditional Christianity, all yes. of that. Yeah. And the big thing, if you just take the Christian God, this entity could just tie you up because it seems all powerful and then snap once the next loop ends, you're there for it forever. Right. You know who also doesn't do that, though? God, right. the Christian God. Right. God gave us free will. Right. Right. He he's not saying I created you and then you love me. The end. That's the trick is I'm going to let you go and then you'll come back to me. And that's the task. Right. And so there's a potential that this entity, which at least are we using S.E. Carl? What do we want to call one of the main characters? <laughs> Crappy Carl. Or one of the fun characters has we, a bad word we can just call in him, its name. We can just call him Carl. Yeah, that's fine. Carl? Yeah. Uh, Carl is one of the ones that posits that the entity is using all of this for its own pleasure. sadistic yeah. pleasure. Yes. That it's creating these stories and having them just go over and over and trying to figure things out. With that in mind, if you were trapped, trapped, trapped by its own choice, mm -hmm. there's no pleasure for that. You're because then that's the human uh, just using its power over the ant. Right. But it gives you just enough rope to hang yourself with. Then maybe that's kind of fun. That's where I would maybe answer you, JJ, mm. is that that's part of it for it. And also that none of them are really able to explain it by definition. That one woman sees it as paintings. Hal right. sees it as an equation. Everyone has a different way because it's so unexplainable. Everyone has a different way of trying to use whatever they know how to do to try to explain it. But it is impossible. Yes. I, that is a good answer to my question there. Okay. For sure. Yeah. So there, it reminded well, me. Well, at least it was long enough. No, no, that was, <laughs> no, that was, no, that was, it was great. And it reminds me of, there's a quote from Hal where he says at one point, can you have power over yourself if you give up any amount of authority to something else? And that's really. Sounds like control. That's the, yeah. that's the whole power dynamic. And I think as we look at the people that fight against that control or resist it and those that accept it and embrace it they have you know as, as tommy said there for some it's heaven for some it's hell uh in their their little loops carl has got a three-hour loop and he is mm. miserable and tommy we can we can you know you 
asked for this this clip, and I think we can we can let this play of this you know Carl describing his life in his time loop. It doesn't let me sleep. The only thing is, I don't get tired. It's just. Doesn't let me dream. It does that so my mind never leaves this place. These three hours. <laughs> Using space and time as its horse whip. This audio clip is my favorite shot of the film. I yes. mean, and and Tommy and I talked about it a lot when we yeah. watched it too. Is this he's he's giving this speech to the camera, but he's not looking at the camera. He's staring, you know, just just above the camera to yeah. the to the to his left, and so he's like eyeing the 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 evil as he spits this like fire about how he hates his life and all this stuff. And then you have Justin just kind of like in shadow, but you can totally see him as the audience witnessing this thing. It, it was mm. just. It was beautifully shot. Carl's, you know, direct center of the frame. I just, it, it was a really powerful scene. And I, I liked Carl a lot too, because he is, I mean, he is a lot of exposition for us, but also because of that, he gives us both the, he gives us the counterbalance to everything that we've experienced in the first half or two thirds of the film where we didn't understand and we weren't sure to, if we loved it or hated it. We have Carl who is completely sure that it's the worst thing in his life never gets to sleep again like and yeah so i thought it was great and it was that was a very powerful scene in the film for me yeah he he comments on everyone in the camp is all hippy dippy and happy and living their lives but he's relegated to three hours and his main thrust is trying to find a better way to kill himself right That's in an attempt yeah. to kind of jump the loop to end the record scratch but of course and i'm not uh, skipping over you steve at all but then that is compared to the tent man. Oh, yes. Who has a oh, five second, second look. Like, uh, it's also, there's also a comment on, like, be grateful for what you have. Right. <laughs> like, it's, yes. I mean, the grass is greener. Everyone is looking at what could be worse or could be better. It's a, I think that's another big part of control. Uh, but the five second, I mean, he's in hell. Oh, Completely. yeah. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. but with Carl, I think he says, because he's explaining, you know, in his pursuit of trying to exit his loop, it's like you can you can let it play out, but he said it'll just you know at the end it may just snatch you up out of your shoes. And there's at one point where Justin is, and you know, we see Carl right. sort of walking, and then he he disappears, and then Justin's looking around, and there's a shoe there just yeah. laying on the ground, and and that's you know, and it's you know, okay, so is that you know Carl, you know that store his loop didn't end well, and the the being decided to end it it's like just okay you're you're done you know we see i mean the thing we haven't talked about it's the fact that as justin and carl are talking there's another carl hanging by a rope yeah. in in the yes. in the shed there of that was one of his attempts to it was the scariest end. moment of the film for me oh. as justin's viewing the the hanging body yeah and carl screams at him from behind him <laughs> yeah like, oh Yes, but I literally but, jumped. But it is, yeah. So it's you know, Carl gives us a lot of exposition about how to try to exit a loop or what his his theory is about how this thing works, and and we you know from there he, we also experience a couple other people. We you know, Aaron comes across the gentleman you know from 
another era, hundreds of years ago. It looks like an old the, hunter, uh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, something trapper, like that. Trapper. Who's um, well, may, maybe it's the early 1900s because he does have a phonograph in there playing True. a song. So right. okay, maybe you know, you know, I don't. I'm not a big, you know, photograph buff, so I couldn't tell you the exact time frame. But yeah, he's got his his five second loop. And what's interesting is that if you listen carefully to the lyrics, and I'm pretty sure because the song shows up about a dozen times because it is a pub- house of the rising sun. Yes, because it's it's public domain. They could use that and you know not have to worry about rights to that song. But it is it is something that is woven oh, wait, throughout. Uh, m- yeah. May I pause on you? Because yeah. I was confused about that. How that's a public domain song? Yes. Yes. The animals. Oh, so the animals or whoever it is, the famous version, they took an older song and made it famous. Oh, my apologies. I didn't know. Yes. Because JJ and I were talking. JJ was like, oh, it's they're having other people sing it so they can afford it. And we were like, yeah, because that would be the entire budget. Yeah. Just the rights for that, the original song. (laughs) Wow. That's a. So how old is that song? So that song is, and this is one of those those things. It is a traditional folk song, sometimes called Rising Sun Blues. Um, Let's see. It. I'm looking in Wikipedia to see if they have a specific date, but of course, yes, everybody's familiar with the most successful version from the animals in the sixties. The song was first collected in the Appalachian region in the 1930s, but probably has roots in a traditional English folk song. So it's one of those things we can only trace it back so far. Sure. But uh, yeah, so that is, uh, again, it's a familiar enough song people know the lyrics it's got some you know roots in right. folk tradition which makes sense that it would tie back to that that era in history but it's something that again is familiar to people you know in the 21st century so it's something we could uh, you were to. connecting it to, before i messed you up yeah. you were connecting it to the tent yes because talking the, about actual yes, lyrics yes so the tent man so yeah it is because at first it's just you know it's a five second clip of a song, but when I went back and listened, I'm like, oh, it is the same song. Again, looking at how we have a thread that's tying mm. sort of all of our our loops and eras together. But that's the one that Aaron stumbles across, and tr- and we don't know what's going on because it is an attempt. The man, you know, in his chair, rushes into something and then resets. And when Justin stands outside the window of the tent, looking in, and the gentleman sees him and and is trying to tell him to leave and gets up and in one of his loops tries to talk to him and something horrible happens to him just you know there's blood splatter everywhere so i i don't know what's going on in his loop uh but clearly something you know horrific um so he's found his his out somehow he's just you know whatever he's running into uh you know, is one way of ending his loop that's less painful, I guess. Um, I was wondering if he was just trying to escape. Just, it, it could yeah. be. It could be. Yeah. And I was also wondering if he was hunting that tiger, oh. jaguar, whatever we oh, saw. Oh, the mountain lion? Because if you open yeah. mountain lion, yeah, because if you open up, yeah, there's probably a lot of very sad animals yeah. caught <laughs> from in throughout loops. time, yeah. caught in these horrible loops that are just confused as H. Yes. <laughs> well, the rattlesnake. So, so yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, and so one of those, yeah, that's one of the interesting things. The, the rattlesnake is how we first are sort of introduced to the barriers between loops, because Justin's on one side of these weird, you know, stick things, and there's a rattlesnake, but when he, you know, steps through it, it, it disappears so you can't see right. uh and we see that at a certain point where he's on on one side and or when aaron steps it, through right and then we have you know he's he's going off um on his little 
little journey. And we we do have that nice scene tonight where we where we see visibly sort of the the barrier, and that's where Aaron and Anna and Anna, Anna. have their conversation. Yeah. And then later, when Aaron walks through it, we see Anna on the other side, and so he can see her, but it's clear that she cannot see him right. at that point. So these barriers have so time's flowing at different rates in these these different areas, and that's where we get to Chris and Mike. So the two guys sort of in the little house, their story is what the whole film of Resolution is about, which is mm. it's about a friend. The other movie that you mentioned right, that, that the, these the, two directors the, have already yes. made. And so we get the story of Chris and Mike. And basically it is a story of Chris, who is on hooked on something, meth or something. And his friend Mike comes to help him detox for a week and so their story we get their their whole story um and so there are references so at one point in that film mike talks about carl so there's all kinds of connections so if you really enjoyed the endless i do encourage you to see that but we do get a sense of of their little loop and that they have realized we see that mike has realized you know They've gone through this many, many times, and they're fi- trying to find the right way to end it. And the way he ends it this time is he's just going to burn the place down, and then we see it reset. Right. So now, in the resolution, do they have loops as well? No. So resolution oh. resolution is one time through, yeah. but without any spoilers for a film that, you know, it, it ends. And it's based on this film, you get a sense of, oh, that seven days was their first loop. And so now, oh, cool. Does it start with that whole, hey, man, like the thing that they're. It starts, Irish a, little accent. Bit, it starts a little bit before that with Mike talking with his wife, actually, mm-hmm. who we do see okay. here in, yep. in The Endless of I'm going to go do this for Mike, all of that. Uh, but the, the commonalities that it has is this being communicating with Mike Ver through different visual media format photos his video. wife is in the resolution too oh yeah. yeah see that's the stuff that gives me such great gross shimmers of the idea of like even after because i'm so addicted not addicted but obsessed with eternity and yeah. all of that and the idea of even after a movie ends yeah the fictional character's life continues i love that oh! I oh, love yeah. that idea. Wow. Well, yeah, but Jennifer, wow. but the wife, Jennifer, goes back to my original point of yeah. why are the non-cult cult members just bringing these people in to get stuck? Because well, she's miserable. And he, right. and Hal yeah. tells her, well, we'll find your husband. And then now she's just stuck, too. Well, that gets to the fact that their loop is much, 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 longer. much longer. So it's a 10-year loop. So this may be her. She's probably only been there. This is her first time through the loop. And as we see from Mike and Chris and Carl, apparently after a couple of repetitions, you become aware of the loop. And knowing that you get a chance to do something, it's possible, you know, Hal may be thinking that, yeah, in one of our loops... You know, Jennifer may actually get to find where Mike is. Is she going to oh, be so able to? Oh, so you think that's altruism? That he actually does want to help? That's I think so. But knowing that it's hard know, for me to think anything positive about Hal, but I think that's very sweet. <laughs> it's the fact that he knows. I mean, we as we see in Tim's little mysterious, largest you know padlock ever on a on a building, all the all the tapes, all the foot, you know, everything that's been either recorded, shared, or whatever, going back decades and decades and decades. I mean, it's right. it's hinted at so early on in the film when uh, they talk about. Uh, 
Anna. And and Justin's like, no, no, she's got to be in her forties, you know. Right. But it's you know they these they don't age if they're in these loops, right? So nope. every ten they years start they're, they're going to start over. So they you know eternally young, right? Uh, right. But again, at at what expense? At what cost? And that gets to I think why they don't. I would say they they're not out evangelizing this thing because they know they're stuck in it and they're fine with that. If you if you bring outsiders in, you're bringing unknown elements into your loop. So it's like, do you really want to be stuck with these people for the rest of eternity, looping through ten years? So I think that's one of the reasons of not necessarily wanting to bring more and more people in because they're going to get stuck with them. And you only want someone who has effectively bought into your belief structure because if you don't, they will be terrible over those ten years. But if they've bought into it and if they've made the decision on their own, that's what's what's the, uh, the Tim is that the guy's name with the beard? Yes. that's what Tim says to Aaron. Yeah, you got to make make up your mind on your own, right? We you don't hear much from him, but he says that. If you've bought into it and you think it is beautiful, then you're going to be wonderful to have in part of our community. But if not, don't do it if you don't want to is the is the line. Don't do it if you don't want to. Yeah, that's a fantastic resolution to that idea. I love yes. it. Yes. And one way of uh, if we can go to audio clip one. Sure. Is a a nice version of a nice sum up of how this movie delivers information but also can go into what we're talking about. We just, we, we earlier, we heard the audio clip from Carl talking about what a disaster mm -hmm. this is for him because of how he cannot take anyone having control over him and the three hour loop mm -hmm. that all he's doing, he's not trying to embrace anything. All he's doing is trying to uh, fight against the three hour loop. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this, it's, this is the first book of the vampire that we get. If there is such one in this film that Justin takes Hal outside and is like, just stop it. Mm -hmm. What is it? Yeah. Tell me what it is. And this is and this is when everyone leans forward. And I did too, but also knowing, like I said in the very beginning, this is gonna be vague. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hope I and actually I hope it's vague. Because if they're like, look, it's this, it's this alien called Glip Glop. And he's got us all, I'll be like, oh well, I'm done. So maybe let's let's try this on yes. clip. There it is, a higher power, a governing force, God, infinity solved. And wouldn't that be a weight off your shoulders? And if you like having that weight gone, you and Aaron have a home here. Even after the third moon. This is a neat thing. This is a neat part for me because A, it doesn't answer any questions while also though does illuminate what it is for Hal. The hell that it is for Carl, this is what Hal, and it looks like a lot of the other people are finding. Yes. Is it is a weight off their shoulders. It is both, uh, it's someone, it's the idea of control, the detriment or benefit of control. Carl and Justin sees it as an absolute detriment. Mm -hmm. yep. The one thing he says with the off-scene deprogrammer, he says the best part of not being there is thinking for ourselves. Yes. That's the best part. But after admitting their lives suck right, outside right. of the commune, right. but at least we're thinking for ourselves. Whereas Hal is sort of saying it doesn't even matter what it is. It has it it's in control there's something above us for sure and if you like that then you guys can stay here with us and then it's the that last sentence even after the third moon yeah what a great trailer 
line. Yeah. Because all of that, the, all of that grounded, that could be in a Christian film. Yeah. That could yeah. be in so many oh, films. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, even after the third moon, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it freaks you out again. It's like, oh, right, right. We're dealing with something that doesn't make any sense. And yet I'm talking to someone who throughout the film seems so rational. Oh, so yes. camp leader, so everything. Rational, and yet he, rational, creepy. But yeah, keep going. Oh, rational, creepy. But you know who else is rational, creepy? A lot of camp leaders. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, even out of the third moon, I just really loved that whole clip. And I know JJ, JJ and I talked about that yeah. uh, together, that that's just a nice distillation of a lot of those things. Well, how the movie yeah. delivers information, uh, the promise not given, mm-hmm. or the promise promised and not given of, there's only so far we can go and does it really matter? Cause we're talking about bigger things. Right. And that's the whole debate is cause Justin has this photo that was, you know, again, this is how this entity communicates is photos show up and it's, it's a picture of a buoy out in the lake. And so Hal's like, well, go there and go swim down there and find out what's there because that's, that's how you're going to get your answer. And so they, he goes down there, something grabs at him, hold, tries to hold him down. He gets up under the boat. It's a little, you know, lock box and it's got a old cassette tape in it. And so it's like, this is this beans message to, to Justin. That's what Hal tells him. You know, if you want the, the answers, what it's, what it's going to tell you, go do that. And you'll find out, you know, if you can accept that. And what is it? It's, it's the footage that, that sparks the whole split because it's that footage of Justin and Aaron when they're younger, sort of like evangelizing the UFO cult, but it's the whole like crazy version of that. Right. And Hal as says, a true believer. Uh, yeah, says, and that's what the answer is. What right. is it? It's faith. And so you have to have faith and then you can do this. Or if you don't, then there's nothing to unlock. It's also an, it's also very another another schism between Justin and Aaron. Right. It's the same kind of way if we believe that the entity is the one that sent that original right. tape. Right. If it's able to do that, it's the it's another move of letting one win against a tug of rope. God lets yes. you win against Tugger Rope, and it takes your older brother who doesn't believe in God and immediately throws him on his ass. Well, yeah. as Hal says, it's forgiveness, right? It's showing you, right. like, I, I know what you did. I know that you were out there, you know, spreading these lies about what this is, but I forgive you for that. And you can you can be here. You can be accepted here. And for Justin, that's... Yeah, and that's- and that's not, yeah. that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, the totally. other one could have been retribution, right. anger, yes. right. lying, all of these Take things. Exactly. But it's yeah. about, but how it's used is the full. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. At least for Aaron. Yes. I don't think a lot of people are that interested in keeping Justin around. No. 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 Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, so we see as he's out. He wasn't a good his, photographer, so. No. Well, and again, that's the, that's, <laughs> right? that's the other piece. He wasn't good at his one thing. His one right. thing, which is, again, as they point out, this entity communicates in photographs and Justin's trying to be a photographer. He's trying to step into that realm of, can I communicate using photographs as well? There's so many, this is the thing that- Can I be God, right? Right. This is, yeah. There's so many- I want to be God. Think about that. He's taking, again, it's, he's trying to- Assert control. Yes. Uh, Ascend to a higher- this power, Position. this control, yes. this all this. Oh, stuff. neat! Yeah. I didn't think about that. Oh, Great story element. There's, there's so many of those things that, again, on a second watch and slowing it down. Let once the weirdness has washed over you the first time, you can really start seeing all of these little things and uh, the so intentional, so purposeful. Right, the perfect yes. archery when he's doing that slow motion run. Everyone is really good 
at, at something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone is kind of like extraordinary at one thing at least because they've had multiple multiple loops to be and what perfect. was was Hal's like jamming on the electric piano no it's, <laughs> maybe i think it's math trying to solve I that think equation it's the math thing yeah. too. but yeah. i guess yeah. some people have more than one thing so yes. that maybe yeah. it's both that's true and drinking beer that's his <laughs> and drinking beer there. um so the other piece that is interesting of to note is that uh, okay so justin goes off on his whole adventure thing and we, we're starting to get the third moon we're getting to this uh ascension point and when when it happens i don't know if you caught it but the rope drops down from the sky uh, they're circled right. around the, the fire and the rope drops down and on this second time i thought you know i had time to think about that because the rope where does that come in? That's the struggle, right? If they're going to pull against this thing, and to me, if the thing's throwing the rope down, it's like the struggle is done. I'm done fighting yep. with with you guys. We're at the end of this whole thing, and it's the rope is sort of like signaling end of the struggle. We're I'm resetting this this whole thing. Yep. yep. There's no longer a battle here. This is now. Now I'm in control, and you will surrender to me because there's no the we, there's no longer this fight against. Like in the in the audio clip, there's no longer a fight against some deity or a higher power. Yes, I I am the power. And I'm not you will, playing. I'm not playing games you with submit. you anymore. Right. Lamo, you're gone. We're gonna reset this loop. It's wild. Yes. Yeah. So how do we then handle the the end of Justin and Aaron who don't want to stick around for the ascension, right? And want to get the I, heck out of there. It's tough. I I like. Their dialogue as I like what they do as characters as they're starting the car, how they switch the control, how Justin seeds control and how they give it. And then Aaron takes control, you know, this whole thing, their their leap to, well, you can stay, I'm going to go like and then Aaron goes, all right, let's go then. Like that whole thing. It seemed a little quick to me, but it makes sense for where we were in the story. Now, all that stuff works. However, all the effects and the graphics and the stuff, I, I didn't need any of that. Uh, I would have preferred a lot of the stuff that we saw in the first two thirds of the film mm-hmm. that was just the foreboding and just the the inference of what is coming as opposed to the flames and darkness and the spit fire or whatever is behind okay. them. Yeah. Because um, that felt unearned. It felt kind of cheap and it actually cheapened the 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 wonderful effects that were used earlier in the film for me. 100% agree. No, it, it got it, it. That's the one time that the film for me felt like it got. Too big for its britches, uh, um, uh, budget wise, because it didn't pull it off, um, and it and and it really and that amount of, yeah, that was a really important kind of dialogue between uh, the two brothers, like JJ was saying, but that rushed and that rushed with that amount of articulation when you're running from a crazy fireball, it feels cheap, it feels fake, it feels chintzy, and it feels cheesy. So many, and it feels chunky, and it feels chalupa. I, I that's all the ch words I know. Um, no, that really, that really took the air out of all of it for me. I would have thinking that maybe like a cheaper way to do it. I was just always enthralled by this idea. They call closing a loop one of the other repeating motifs is a record scratch. Yes, yeah, right. yeah. That that's almost like, and visually there are record scratches throughout. If you want to go along with me, that there's a lot of matching uh a the center of a screen with something else he's holding the bullet what did it hit oh now we're out in the middle of the lake right and it's the same thing these there's this big jump of time and space Mm -hmm. 
but still like keeping it there. That feels like a record scratch to me. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clever. There are more elegant ways. I didn't need this huge. I didn't want to see any of the actual Lovecraft. Keep the door closed. Right. I, I guess what I was saying is when you come up with this record scratch idea, that would maybe be a cheaper CGI way mm -hmm. of seeing the uh, loops closing coming towards you. Right. Yes. Of a something of oh, like a bird coming and then boom and then boom. And then like seeing repeating reality has got to be cheaper than what they did. Yeah. Which wasn't effective, which right. was the cyclone. Right. And a cyclone is just too big. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it, but I, no, I, no, I, I agree because it's it, it creates the OK, here's this big cyclone storm coming at you that is there is there push starting the car that they're going to be able to to outrun and it does yeah it, i think i get the sense of they want to have some urgency they want to have some heightened stakes they want to create that tension uh are they going to get out because we we do see you know the edge of the bubble we see birds flying smacking right. into it are they going to be able to to make it out building that tension and suspense with something big and ominous coming but i agree there there may have been some other ways to to communicate that but i i do like the the resolution to the brothers relationship as jj said of right it, it's yeah. i mean it's so ridiculous but it works so well of just like aaron saying okay let's go i just wanted you to you know to to right. seed control to give me the ability to make decisions for myself it's like oh you say i can say okay we can go now and it's like yeah. it's it's that's all that's all you wanted and it's like yeah right. because you know even before you know on the way up there can i drive no you know and so right. it's now justin's like great you drive the car fine and then when they they do break through even at that point you know it justin's like no it, okay we're out of gas and aaron's like no it's always like that we're fine and justin's like all right you deal with it and it's right. it's nice to see that that burden you know again hal talked about that that relief and that burden justin's found another way to get that and carrying the weight of the responsibility for his brother off by just ceding control but not to that being but to his brother right and and, and what is the, the, the visual... second to last shot oh you remember it jj no the very second to last shot it's nice before they do the um dazed and confused looking out of the front window and you're seeing you know them driving off more or less into the sunset there's a really quick insert of showing aaron's hand on the wheel Oh, cool. He's literally yeah, got smart. his hand on the wheel. Yeah. Well, see, and all that yeah. stuff is great. The thing that's prob problematic about the CGI cyclone is that it runs contrary to the Lovecraft quote at the beginning of the film. The right. greatest the fear is the fear of the unknown. So yeah. leave it that way. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's, and that's, you know, who knows why they chose to do that. But, uh, but again, stuff like you're talking about, Tommy, this insert of something that, that effectively shows us what, what they've done through the story. I think that's, that stuff is wonderful. Yes. And again, it goes back to, I just, I could love the word control. It goes back yeah. to control. What I do want to watch it again, because looking over my notes, I did, because I did a bunch of shorthand. One of the things that Aaron, it's interesting because Aaron, I think, really goes through a change. He didn't want control in the beginning. He was sort of, he was in a slump and right. all of that. And the things that he remembered that Justin was like, no, you're forgetting all the castration. The things that Aaron remembered were Sitting around a campfire, mm -hmm. a campfire that's built, eating great meals, meals that are cooked, and singing songs, songs that are led by someone else. These are all things that are led yeah. by someone else. Nice. But then by the very end, he insists on driving. It's just, it's, there's a lot of through lines. It's nice. Yeah. Oh. It feels like one of those movies where there's not a lot of, it's so naturalistic. 
it might be easy to overlook that every almost Coen Brothers like a lot of the dialogue is all purposeful. Right. Yes. Everything is leading towards a thing versus, oh, this seems interesting right now. Love well, that. The, you know, so I'll throw a little something you at you about purposefulness and, <gasps> and what happens, oh. what happens at the end. Because if you look very early on, there is a scene where they, before they, before they leave home, they're like sitting out outside somewhere. And one of the brothers looks up at the sky and it's clouds, but there's a circle right in the middle. So yes. They may be in an even larger loop. There we, we have go. that thought too. Out, yep. out this is the other thing, right? Yeah. Are yeah, they? Are how, they else really could gone? The, how else yeah. could the it send them the tape? Right. Unless they were in the loop back wherever home is. Right. And the only reason that the car battery is urgent mm -hmm. is to get out. In the world of the thing, is to get out of the cult. Could that be like reminding? Don't forget that we're going to be in this situation kind yes. of a thing. And the fact that I think JJ also brought up is in all of their time in the movie outside of the commune, mm -hmm. they're always talking to unseen people. Yes. Right. And their job seems vague. Right. They're cleaning, but they're just sort of at, they're in jumpsuits, but just at a counter with one. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not how you industrial <laughs> clean things. And they're deprogrammers. You never hear, you never see from. Right. right. They seem like they are in a void. Yeah. Which then goes back to the line of uh, even dying uh, at the hands of this huge being will be better than our horrible Carl E. lives. Right. S.E. lives yes. with our horrible menial jobs. I think it's, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think. It, there is that is the door is wide open. Definite, yes. definite possible interpretation. JJ, you you were the one with the eye for things. There was a for me. There was a lot of really cool drone photography going oh, yeah. going on that was really really nice to see. Just I think the when they're on the road, there's a lot of things. But one of the maybe you can answer this question because it may be just the lens they were using or. But when Justin's going on his first run. The lens they're using, because as, as it turns, it's like the outer frame is like really distorted as he is. Right. It, is JJ it, brought this up yeah, when yeah. we were together. Okay. It, it, it felt like it was a moving fisheye. Okay. As, as yeah. if the the distortion was like the edges of a fisheye lens that yeah. actually moved through the screen. It was really, it, it was disorienting. And I think it was used for that purpose. I don't know how they did it. Okay. I, 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 I don't know what they used, but they brought it up at different times. And I yeah. think it may be a practical way to show this sort of. Uh, frayed reality between what is in the loop and what's not this shimmer. Yeah. And it's a way to do it without having to actually shimmer it in place. Right. It, it, it distorts the audience's vision of it without yeah. having an effect to it. And I thought that was neat and effective. The drone stuff it was good. I mean, everything that's shot, you know, directly down is, is, is definitely coming from a drone. Um, and none of that stuff was, was poor quality to me. Every, all of that stuff looked really good. I already mentioned my favorite shot of the film is this sort of the, the, Carl speech yeah. direct there. There was a lot of thoughtful camera work here and all of the things they did to use to use the camera to um, to illustrate the practical effects, I thought was really, really smart. And I think if they would have just uh, bet on that, leaned into that fully yeah. for the entire film, it would have been a much uh, greater achievement for me in, in watching it, and which, mm. you know, I just think. Um, yeah, I think they could have done so much, not so much more of that. I just think they could have made it complete by keeping it that way, I guess I'd say. And then, Tommy, with your, you know, vast area of expertise, 
Oh. I don't know if there was anything about in terms of, you know, choices. I thought the hairstyles were perfect. There we go. Is that not that, my... That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I just, you know, in terms of, you know, their approach to tackling, you know, as a, you know, they are tackling, you know, directing, writing, and being the leads in this. That seems like a, a lot for them to carry with this. I mean, how did you feel in terms of how they, how they assembled this piece, you know, looking at this from, you know, a director's perspective? It's an enormous tightrope, yeah. this kind of movie. And I thought that they, ex- I mean, because you're, you're giving so much information with no actual, no, you're giving so much content with no actual information while pointing at a mystery that you're not ever really going to solve. And then trying to convince people the solution isn't the, the, what you really want. It's what happens to these characters that is ballsy. And then they're going to star and be named themselves. <laughs> Get out of the way. Right. But I thought the acting was outstanding. They Me were too. very naturalistic. They know where to just enough where to put things to front end the film with uh, not save the cat moments. But I like these guys. Right. Yeah. I like their ones prickly. One's a little doe eyed, but neither is so much. Let's give them some fun and then also give them some fun camaraderie where it's not, rawr, dad always liked me best. There's a lot of ways to go easily gross and really force it so we all know what's in place. But then what's forgotten is we don't like these people. (laughs) And that's where all of this breaks down because, again, they're not going to answer the real question. Right. In a way, because the question is unanswerable. It's right. an impossible color, which is sort of beautiful way to, How, to say that the in the film. It, yeah. An impossible color. color. Right. Great. Oh, yes. I love it. How do you describe something that's indescribable? An impossible awesome. color. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, no, so I thought it was great. Uh, my one quibble, if I had one, because I'm all quibbly magoo, is I was assuming that the palette, the palette is so desaturized. Yeah. Uh, and almost like I think JJ and I talked about it's it's close to sepia mm-hmm. at yeah. certain times, Feels depending yellow. on what people are watching. You do that a for I don't know. I just I, there was enough naturalism in this movie. I didn't need it to be so sucked out. One of the reasons you do that is for a big payoff mm-hmm. of like a, now the loops over and boom, boom they burst through and yeah. look at the colors. If that happened, it wasn't enough for me to remember. No, nope. I rem- I don't remember ever getting that payoff. I was just like, oh, it was just vaguely unpleasant to that's look at the that's because they're time. staying in the loop they're, they're still in the loop that's why they're still in the loop <laughs> you never so maybe, got out of the loop and maybe that's yeah like they they, they like go to one guy who's outside of the loop and he's like all technicolor and he's like interesting and then it ends and we all give it one star no I mean that was just my yeah. one thing of like yeah. that that seemed to be leaning a little too far into the indie sensibility but again such a quibble and I thought it was really really strong so and very brave okay yeah all right. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I think we touched on everything. I mean, this is it for me. Structurally, it was, you know, challenging to how do you put together a movie where the first half of it is they're just going to go to a cult. So what's driving your story? You know, how long can you stay in the cult? And before you get frustrated with, is this a cult? Is this not a cult? What's going on with the cult before you lose your audience? And then when you shift it, I think this was my reaction the first time of then you suddenly shift gears into this crazy sci-fi time loop thing, you know, on a second watch to me, it felt, and maybe it's again, because of watching resolution first, it, it did not feel as drastic a shift as it did the first time. And I tracked mm. along with it a lot better. And maybe it's because I knew what was coming. Uh, but when I looked at my first review, it seemed like they, they, took their time and then tried to cram way too much into the second half. But on my second view and I'm like, no, no, it, 
it all works together really, really well. So I'd say this is, you know, for me, this is a film that holds up really well to a a second watch because, you know, sometimes you think, yes. oh, the big, the re big reveal is going to, okay, I don't need to see this again. There are so many things that work well together. And I do encourage people, if you, if you want to just delve into this one first, if you are willing to do a second watch, watch resolution first. I did it as a double feature. Actually, I did it on a whatever oh, wow. Sunday afternoon. Cause each one's only about an hour and a half long. I'm like, okay, I could watch nice. justice league or I could watch, you know, two movies that, you know, this I can, is better. Yes, is better I can Justice watch League. the cold open of the Irishman. Yes, <laughs> or yeah. so it is. A, it is a nice little you know double feature to put together. It, it will mess with your head. It does put you in a weird mental space by the end of it, uh, with everything. But overall, yeah, I'm glad you guys in, enjoyed this one. I was a, yeah. I was a little nervous because I was like, is it horror enough for Tommy? Is it is it too, too horror for JJ? Too yeah, horror exactly. for JJ? But I, like the mind bender. JJ only likes things that end. Yeah. <laughs> and this is and here, and here nothing ever ends. Right. Yes. right. Okay. Well, Tommy, thanks for joining us again on this. I'm so glad to have you part of this conversation. You you bring great perspective, uh, you know, on this one. And it was great that you guys got a chance to talk through it because I think this is a movie that we always talk about on Trailer Rewind. You need to talk to somebody after seeing a movie like this. If you try yeah. to sit and wrestle yes. with this, you're going to go bonkers. So watch it with a friend, you know, and if you're in your little bubble or watch it separately, but then get together to discuss it because there is so much there. There's so much we didn't even get into in here. <laughs> right. If you're watching it with a friend that you're not sure if you like them or not. Yeah. And at the end he goes, got it. <laughs> Make a new friend. <laughs> right. It's worth talking about. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Cause there, there's a lot of stuff. We, I don't think we even touched on everything. I'm sure yeah. there's, there's lots of threads that you could pull apart on this. Uh, I did do a little bit of Googling. There is a Reddit thread out oh. there. Some Somebody has a whole theory about which of the ancient gods from H.P. Lovecraft's mythology this being is. And oh, all cool. that. We didn't even talk about the statues. Yes. We're not going to. <laughs> the statues they come across. Yes. Right. Yes. So there's all kinds all right. of stuff in there. So it's one that you can watch and I think dig into and find a lot of stuff about it. So thank you both you know for having a great conversation about the endless and i think this will be the last scary one we do for a while jj i think we're sure hope so. i think we're in the the clear for a while on this one we'll stop, stop, <laughs> stop. i'll need to import my allies for, yes. for the future ones for sure yes. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please join us on Discord or become a Patreon supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo.
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.